0: Leadership File, on Premier.
1: Welcome to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. Conversations to change the way you lead. Conflict seems to be an inevitable and an unavoidable part of church life. There's the conflict that comes when members fall out with each other, conflict over theological outlook and the direction of the church. There's also the conflict that the church leader faces as they chart a course of action that does not meet with the approval of its members. If it's inevitable, it doesn't have to be permanent. Conflict can be resolved, relationships repaired and the church healthy. Chris Ledger joins me to discuss this vital topic. She worked for 16 years as a counsellor, supervisor and trainer in the NHS and leads the prayer ministry at Greyfriars Church in Reading, where she and her husband John are licensed lay ministers. She's also the author of the book Managing Conflict, Based on a day seminar, she runs on the theme with CWR. So welcome, Chris, to the Leadership Farm. Thank you very much. So t- tell us about your journey to faith first, Chris, and then we'll, we'll talk about this managing
0: conflict topic. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was really blessed because I was brought up in a very loving, normal Christian upbringing. Um, it's just interesting coming up to Christmas now because I think my first memories of any church life is going to a Christmas service with my parents and my mum in order to keep me quiet and keep my eyes quiet, there's three of us would take Smarties and we saw Smarties rolling down the aisle and we had giggles so (laughs) it wasn't that spiritual really Mm. Um, but I always knew um, obviously going to sort of Um, Sunday school as I grew up, I was always aware that there was someone greater out there that I would call God, and um, I used to pray the Lord's Prayer every night, and I can remember sort of trogging along, nothing really hit home spiritually, and I was a, a, a student in London and went to a church quite nearby, and I walked in, and it just felt dead, and I can remember walking out thinking, well, God, if you're alive, why is it so dead in the church, um, and that lay dormant for about a year or so. And then when I was nursing in London, I had a, a group of friends who were Christians, and um, they invited me along to All Souls Wednesday Club, which is a group for 20 to 30-year-olds um, attached to the church. So I went along with them to, the, to this Wednesday group, and as soon as I walked in, and joined in the worship, I realized they all had something I hadn't got. There was some spiritual dimension there that really affected my spirit. And then I began to ask questions and seek the truth. And it probably took me about two or three months Would seek and talk with my friends and pray with them. And it probably took about three months before I really committed my life to the Lord. And I think the overwhelming thing for me was the fact that, that Jesus had died for me on the cross and that that he could live through me here on earth and therefore my life had a purpose it just wasn't haphazard um and in response to all that Jesus done for me on the cross I could offer my life back to him and you know since then I've you know I've just been so grateful for the friendship I have in him the anchor that he is for me his faithfulness and through all the The pains of life, and yes, you know, you've had pains, a lot of pain and tragedy in life in one way or another, but he's always been there as a friend and you know, it's been the foundation of my life, really, and I'm so grateful to God that he met me.
1: Oh, wonderful, Chris. Well, thank you. That's splendid to hear. Uh, at some point, you, you trained to be a, a counsellor. Is that uh, post Yes, I mean, it was the faith. direction that earlier mm. in
0: my life I thought of ever, I'd ever mm. go in. Um, but being a nurse by background, I was always very sort of interested in people, and I found that people would start coming to me with the help and wanted to talk to me, and a, Verse of scripture really spoke to me from Proverbs nineteen two that says, It's not good to have zeal without knowledge and I realised that actually I was um, really enthusiastic to help people in their emotional problems but actually didn't have a lot of knowledge. So first of all I went on a pastoring course And at the end of one of the essays that we had to write was the question, how can we work very closely with GPs in bringing sort of the Christian aspect into counselling or more of a wholeness approach to counselling into a GP surgery? And it just so happened that six months later, my husband and I moved to Reading, and I became a nurse in a very large Christian GP surgery. And I talked to them about, you know, sort of, counseling people from a Christian aspect, which they were very, very keen to do. So slowly I started sort of seeing one person or one patient sort of informally, and that grew, and eventually the surgery decided to support me to go and have counseling training. So I was doing nursing and counseling, so I went to do counseling training at Roehampton Institute and had a diploma there, and obviously some from, from, from CWR as well. And from there have really grown and love the work. I find every individual very, very sort of intriguing. Love getting to know them. Really enjoy sitting alongside them in their stories.
1: Great. And, and I mean, our conversation aims to give leaders some tools to manage conflict uh, that they yes. see in others and also when they are involved in it themselves. So um, can we define conflict, first of all, how we're going to talk about it?
0: Yes. I mean... When you look at the word conflict, um, it derives from two Latin words, which is con, which means together, and fligare, which means to strike. So the word refers to people coming together with the intention of striking one another. So it often involves, pe- you know, people throwing words at each other, a clash of principles, values, belief systems, or simply a clash due to lack of understanding. And of course, one will find this in in any church. You know, I mean conflict is an inevitable and unavoidable part of life and it and it does batter and bruise us particularly for leaders with squabbles and unresolved conflict and difficulties so it is there and it's often born out of poor communication um or the inability to control one's emotions quite often emotions drive us in decisions which not always the wisest decision which can cause conflict so You know, it it is about a struggle, a battle, an opposition between ideas and interests, basically.
1: Maybe we can start by asking how to recognise signs of conflict in ourselves and others.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, I want to point out from the outset that conflict is not bad in and of itself. Sure. It's the way we handle conflict. It's the unresolved conflicts that cause damage. And... It is not about winning or losing. So we will very often have very sort of um, relational styles and how we deal with conflict. So first of all, we can in ourselves or recognize in others that we are perhaps come to conflict as the aggressor. We can be critical, abuse, sarcasm, threaten others. We can be quite spiteful. You know, in trying to sort of sort conflict out, you might say, you always do this or you never do that. And we often throw arrows at the other person, criticizing them, and maybe never listen to their point of view. Sometimes we we have the relationship style that we're a winner. You know, I'm going to win. I win, you lose. And it becomes a power struggle, a control issue which can involve the abuse of, of the use of abuse physically and emotionally. Um, Because not to win, for some of us, is perceived as being weak or we feel out of control and therefore we feel insecure. So it's a cover-up, really, in a way, protective um, behavior to protect us from feeling insecure. And maybe in our earlier life, we we always had to win in order to survive in Mm. a competitive family. And then we have some. sometimes the relationship style can be a bargainer you know, haggling over goods in an African market can be quite fun, but actually a bargainer is not a healthy way to resolve conflicts. So when I mean a bargainer, we could have a leader who actually has come and prepared a whole service and knows exactly where they want to go and sense that, but, but because maybe the worship leader is very strong and controlling, wants to be controlling, um, the leader then bargains and says, okay, well, If I do the reading here, then you can do a song there. But it's not really what they want. But in order to keep the peace, they bargain. Right, right. And then, of course, I have people who are a fixer. You know, (laughs) we all want a quick fix in life. It's part of living in this instant society. Um, We want the quick fix solution. Let's put a sticky plaster on it. So sometimes with a quick fix solution, um, we will just keep quiet because we don't want to face our fear. Um, You know, we might not want to go along with what is suggesting, but we're fuming. But we can't have a voice to speak up. And that leads me on to sort of recognizing that sometimes we are an avoider. Right, You know, it's it's, it's tempting to to bury our head in the sands and believe that conflicts will just go away and we pretend they don't exist, but they don't go away and they will get bigger and bigger and why are we avoiders because we fear disagreement we fear maybe that actually it's a battle we won't win we feel being we fear being wounded so there can be lots of things about being an avoider that will actually keep us quiet and then of course we can become a people pleaser. I mean, I used to be a people pleaser. My husband always laughs and says, well, since I've done counselling, I'm no longer people pleaser because I've learned to be assertive um, in the most appropriate way, obviously. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, you know, people pleaser is, is another type of quick fix. Um, take, for instance, a leader who um, is being told to do something that she doesn't feel is being true to herself. But as a people pleaser, she keeps quiet and avoids a potential conflict situation. Why does she keep quiet? Because if she had challenged the controlling person, she would be fearful that this other person become difficult and upset. Then she would feel responsible for the other person's emotional upset. So sometimes we can take responsibility for how others feel emotionally. We don't want to upset them, can't upset them, so therefore we don't say anything. And other times we might fear rejection, so I can't say anything because they might reject me. And if I speak up, then they might laugh at my idea. So there's lots of ways that we find that um, we can adopt as a relationship style that are not healthy at all. And it's recognizing that in ourselves and recognizing that actually in a team as a leader, you know, what are the relationship styles of my team let's just identify them um and then actually acknowledge how best it is to help them to grow as a person
1: we're well, listening to the leadership file with me andy peckham joined this week by chris ledger uh, we're looking at the topic of managing conflict and we'll be back just after this welcome back to the leadership file with me andy peckham joined this week by chris ledger chris is uh, um counsellor, supervisor, trainer in the NHS, leads the prayer ministry team at Greyfriars uh, Church in Reading. She's also the uh, author of a book, Managing Conflict, and uh, we've been talking about managing conflict, but just before the break, Chris was running through the different ways in which uh, we might relate as, as leaders, as an aggressor, as a winner, as a bargainer, as a fixer, as an avoider, and as a people pleaser. Hopefully not not all at the same time. But, um, <laughs> and presumably, Chris, the, the difference between an avoider and a people pleaser is that the the avoider just avoids it but it doesn't they're not particularly concerned about people pleasing people no. the the people pleaser is avoiding conflict because their fear of the emotional engagement with an individual
0: They can be approval junkies, you see. The avoiders, not necessarily approval junkies. That's just their way of relating. They just want to avoid everything, full stop, pretend it's not there. A people pleaser will probably be to some extent an approval junkie. They will want the approval of other people. So not to face conflict and deal with it. They will then um, not fear. The disapproval of others because they're trying to deal with conflict. Sure, right. So underneath the people is quite often, an approval junkie.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, sure. Um, no, I mean, as, as, as always, Jesus provides us with a model, and um, he yes. clearly he clearly faced conflict throughout his uh, his ministry at different times.
0: He did, um, and he confronted issues that sometimes cause conflict. Yes. Um, You know, we read in the message, you know, that he says, do you think I came to smooth things over and make everything nice? No, not so. I've come to disrupt and confront. Um, While Jesus, on the one hand, calls us to be peacemakers, we note that the intended ultimate goal was to bring peace in a righteous way. So he was not afraid of addressing something that needed to be confronted and changed. For instance, he was not afraid of conflicting with the opposing religious leaders of his day he stood up to injustice and hypocrisy. He called the Pharisees hypocrites, blind guys, blind fools, to stand up for godly ways. And we see him causing conflict in order to bring his father's kingdom about in the temple courts when he found men selling cattle and doves to exchange money. So he made a whip of cords and drove them out. You know, how confrontation conflict yes, indeed, yes. So that could be. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? But... If we look at Jesus, we look at the model, we find that whatever he does is always to bring about the mission of his father. He came to earth to bring God's kingdom here. And every conflict he caused or faced furthered that end. So it teaches us to handle conflict in a way that honors God and is there to bring his kingdom here on earth. So therefore, it's so important we handle conflict with grace and love, not to destroy other people, to be honest when there is disagreement, and actually meet that with grace and love. And perhaps sometimes say, well, I think we're going to have to actually agree to disagree on this matter. But it isn't about attacking the people. And so much of conflict, you know, in churches and everyday life is that we attack the other person Rather than actually,
1: maybe the issue that's going on. Um, now, I had intended to ask you, Chris, about um, how to, how to deal with things if you're a conflict avoider. You've actually given us lots of other uh, styles of, of approach to conflict. But it, but, but nevertheless, let's uh, for some leaders, yeah. conflict avoidance is is perhaps the, the the one that the temptation they face, yeah. not least yeah. because there's so much going on in in life I know. um that they don't know what to you know which battles to face <laughs> have you got and any I, thoughts about that
0: yeah i i mean i do accept that because i think you know for a leader sometimes there's so much going on you don't have energy to face anything and i think sometimes it's it's first of all recognizing our own relationship style because there may be times that actually literally one does put something on the shelf and avoids it, but you recognize it and you're conscious of doing it because you cannot perhaps have the time or the energy to face everything at one go. Um, and I think the first step is always to recognize what is my relationship style as a conflict avoider? What sort of things do I avoid? You see, I think we might avoid um, confronting um, you know, a, a difficult person, but we might not avoid maybe saying what we want to say um, with a team member. So I think it's important we, we actually can identify what are the things that we really tend to want to avoid. And if I am a relationship person or avoider, you know, what can I maybe do to even get some support in this and help? Yeah. So that's one thing. I think the second thing is to define acceptable behavior. So if we have clearly defined job descriptions that people know in the team what's expected of them and a well-articulated chain of command to allow for effective communication, this will help avoid conflicts. So sometimes it's having a well-oiled, if you, if you like, chain of reference. To deal with conflict immediately and head on. Obviously, avoiders don't like doing that. They think it's going to go away. But actually dealing with it immediately, if one has the time and the energy, will minimise its severity. Um, And it's important to address the facts. Understanding, okay, and to step back for a moment and think, okay, well, what's going on maybe in the church folks' motivation? In other words, what, are they, what do I think they're actually sort of saying for themselves? What's in it for me? Um, and then I try to identify the objectives and help people to attain them and, and actually to, in a way, pick out battles. And to view conflict as an opportunity. Hidden within every, virtually every conflict is the potential for tremendous teaching, learning opportunity. Is um, there's a potential for growth and development, and I do believe it's a sincere desire to work things out, to compromise, to come together with compassion, to be an active listener and empathy, and think, do you know what we want the very best out of this situation to happen?
1: Well, that's that's really helpful. Thank you, Chris. Um, and you. you Talking about a a kind of healthy atmosphere for conflict resolution that you've hinted at there. Um, A a few kind of truisms that you might want to share in terms of...
0: Yes, I think it's really important that we create a healthy atmosphere when we want to, you know, um, resolve conflict, that you don't do it on the run, if you like. You say, look, there's obviously a difficulty here, and there's some sort of conflict going on. You know, let's have a time to meet together to actually talk this out. And it's not about I win and you lose, it's actually, look, we both want to work this out together. So I think the timing, choosing a timing for to meet together is really important. You don't want to do it at the end of the day when people are really tired. You don't want to do it at the time of day when people might be distracted. So I think, you know, choosing a mutually agreeable time is really important. A location, a safe location, not in the office, perhaps when others are around. But a place where both parties feel safe, you know, where would you like to meet? I mean, for some people, they might want to go and have a coffee together. You know, no problem about that and talk it over coffee. Or they might want to stay within the the church environment or Mm -hmm. in in the vicar's office or a home. I I think trying to, in a way, agree together where the location might be is helpful. And then I think to set the atmosphere with opening words, you know, look, I value our relationship um, to affirm the other person. Something like, I really appreciate your hard work and our working relationship. You know, and at the moment we probably think quite differently on this matter. And I want to really genuinely find a way by which some of our ideas and needs can be met and that our relationship through this will grow stronger because of this time together. And I think there's a key thing there, a key skill that establish a we relationship. We are in this together. We want to work this out side by side to find a relationship. Um, Dispel any fear or any sense of control by viewing it that I versus you battle. You know, I want to do this. I want to do this. Let's see what we can do together. Um, Because quite often in resolving a conflict situation, it becomes I want to do this and you say that. Um, and that's not healthy. It's about saying, let's see what we can do together. Nice.
1: That's and then
0: yeah. knowing when to end, I think sometimes. Yeah. If actually emotions begin to run high, it might be appropriate to say, look, I think, you know, we're getting a little bit emotional here, I'm not not sure how well we're able to think clearly about resolving this maybe we need to put this off and come back and make another date to finish it off so that we can mm. talk calmer again have more time to think so i think those sort of general things are really important
1: yeah indeed indeed um the time's almost gone chris are there are there any other particular techniques you could share that would help clarify yeah, resolve I, think, conflict?
0: I think listening to the other mm. person's point of view is absolutely essential yeah. I think empathizing, you know, it sounds like you feel quite disheartened about this. Mm -hmm. Clarifying perceptions. What is this conflict about? Is it about me? Is it about the other person? Mm. What are the relationship stars? You know, to develop a common vision and to break it all down into different components, into small achievable goals. Well, let's just start here and seeing what we can do here. And as I said... The important rule is don't use the you statements, you make me mad, you do that. Just (laughs) say, look, I'm feeling disappointed when this happens. So I think that is crucial when you resolve any conflict. Don't throw judgment or accusations at the other person. This is how I'm hearing it or this is what I'm sensing is going on. It's a much better way of handling it.
1: Chris, that's, this is wonderfully helpful. Thank you so much. Um, and obviously you've written this book, Managing Conflict. Maybe that some folk would want to uh, get your wisdom via a via book form. How can they get a copy?
0: Yeah, if you Google CWR, their online store, mm-hmm. store and put into their book search engine, Insight into Managing Conflict, it will come up... Um, on their site, that you can buy it from
1: the CWR online store site. Fantastic. Thank you. So that's um, just uh, so uh, listeners know, uh, Chris Ledger is L-E-D-G-E-R. That's right. And, um, yep. Indeed, and it's Insight into Managing Conflict at cwr.org.uk at their website. Yes, it is. Wonderful, Chris. Well, thank you so much. Uh, hey, be you're lovely. welcome. Well, you this, is, this is going to be enormously uh, valuable for folks and um, it is available on demand, uh, remember, so... If you want to listen again, and I think you probably would need to, you know, listen through again and make some notes uh, from what Chris has shared. Um, And this can be a a key tool for you going forward as a leader. So thank you, Chris, so much. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening. Do uh, log on to Premier's own website, www.premier.org.uk, and you can listen to archived versions of Leadership Fly, including this one, uh, in due course. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in.